Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Bring, bring it fast. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we are here with a Manchester City update, joined, of course, by the fantastic Richard Burns, who you can find on Twitter, at Richard the Burns. Uh, for you listening at home, if I still sound a little weird, I'm traveling again, and this mic apparently just isn't working anymore. So apologies, we'll try to get that fixed. Uh, probably not by this weekend's show. Uh, on Sunday, but hopefully by next week. So just bear with us. But Richard, obviously the big news yesterday is that the UEFA Adjudicatory Committee has chosen to ban Manchester City for two years, as well as fine the club 30 million euros for serious breaches of European football's financial regulation. So, of course, no Champions League, also no Europa League, which nobody's talking about, but, you know, should also be known (laughs) as a UEFA competition. Now, a couple of weeks ago, We were actually discussing those Pep Guardiola quotes where he said that his legacy at Manchester City would be damaged without a Champions League title. That obviously looking far more likely, uh, given that now it's just basically this year, obviously with an appeal pending. But this was obviously massive news, absolutely dominated the news cycle. Curious as a Manchester City fan, what your immediate takeaway was to this news? Well, um, first of all, it was a slight surprise because the last sort of major reporting on it was that City looked set to avoid the ban um, and that announcement was expected in December and then it got delayed and delayed again. Um, So when it eventually came yesterday without much sort of forewarning that the announcement was imminent, um, it did come as a bit of a shock. Um, But immediate reaction is in terms of being banned from the Champions League, I'm not overly concerned as a fan about not being involved in those games. Um, I know that we've spoke about that before and it'll probably sound odd to literally anybody in the world who isn't a Manchester City fan. Um, Maybe we'll touch on City's relationship with the Champions League, I don't know, but I I, I won't miss uh, Champions League nights a a great deal at the Etihad. Um, The concern uh, comes with how that impacts uh, potential um, potential acquisitions in the future of players, how it affects the playing squad that we have now and how it might affect Pep Guardiola um, and, and his position, whether he might see doing the final year of his contract without Champions League football, he might not see that as something that he wants to do. Uh, clearly, he is a, a top, top-level manager and top-level managers want to manage top-level European managers want to manage in the Champions League. So um, they're the things that concern me a little bit. But the actual ins and outs of what City have done wrong and not playing in the Champions League or Europa League, um, I'm fairly calm about that as a City fan. 
Yeah, if you don't mind elaborating more on that, obviously we all know that you know the UEFA anthem gets booed at Manchester City and uh, all of those things. So if you wanted to expand a bit on the relationship between UEFA, the Champions League, and Manchester City there a bit to kind of lend a little bit more context for those who might not be as familiar. Yeah, of course. So um, two things on that. There's, there's the general way that City fans see UEFA and then there's just sort of um, how I view the Champions League. So I'm not going to pretend that I speak for all City fans with the second part of that. But the City's issue with UEFA really stems back to the introduction of financial fair play. It didn't come in until I think it was 2011 that it was introduced, which was after City had been taken over. And it was very much seen as a retaliation to Manchester City. Now, I don't believe that as such, but it was a reaction to this new money sloshing around the game at City and at PSG. So when I say I don't buy into the idea that it was an attack against City, I buy into the fact that this would have happened had any other club gone from sort of rags to riches in the way that City did. I, I think it's irrelevant that it was City, but I do think it's it was a targeted attempt to... Or it was, it was sort of panic stations because this money was suddenly there and somehow this was suddenly an immoral way of becoming rich and, and having that, you know, what really has been an overnight success for City. Um, and so City fans re- reacted very badly to that. I think we felt quite as a fan base probably felt quite attacked um it didn't seem very fair and then there were just there were quite a lot of other incidents i think the straw that really broke the camel's back was when we played csk moscow away and they had a stadium ban uh, for their supporters they had to play behind closed doors because of um multiple incidences of racism in their stadium that ban if i recall rightly was only announced about two weeks before uh, before they would their home game against City and City fans who had already bought tickets and paid for travel, paid for visas, uh, were also banned from the stadium. Um, City hadn't committed any offences. There'd been no allegations of racism against City and yet we faced a punitive measure. And then as the game went, went, um, as the game kicked off, it became quite apparent that there were actually CSK Moscow fans in the stadium, whereas City fans had... um, had been literally locked out and had no recourse for getting refunds or anything like that. Um, and I think that that it really was the straw that broke the camel's back. And then there was an incident where you mentioned uh, the booing of the UEFA anthem. Personally, I don't really go in for that. I think it's, um, you know, it doesn't harm UEFA's brand really. I think it comes across as a bit petty, but, you know, people can act as they wish when they've paid the ticket money, I suppose. Um, but then... A UEFA official reported City for that, and it had to be investigated. Now, to be fair, UEFA immediately acknowledged that as quite spurious. But there's just a lot of things that have gone against City that um, that buy in, that, that feed this sort of idea that UEFA have something against the club. I personally, just to be really, really clear, I don't believe there is some kind of UEFA-wide conspiracy or agenda against City, um, but there have definitely been some unfortunate incidents that don't help City's relationship with UEFA. My own view of the Champions League is that it's not quite as good as the hype. I was really, really excited when City first qualified for it in 2011. Um, I was really excited to go to the Etihad and hear that music for the first time. And 
it was um, exciting to be there. Our first game was against our first Champions League game was um, it was against Napoli, and it, it was a buzz to be there and, and take in the atmosphere for the first time. But then, Champions League nights at the Etihad have proven more often than not to be a bit of a damp squib. Um, you could argue that that's because City's performances in the Champions League haven't always been fantastic. So you could then level the accusation that the supporters aren't getting up for it when the team aren't um, aren't on top note. There's probably something in that a little bit, but I think the general feeling of City fans and what comes across on a, a Champions League match evening, and certainly my my very personal feeling, is that the games just don't live up to the hype until you get to, if you're lucky, the last 16. I think the last 16 this year does look um, particularly good, to be fair. There's a lot of really, really good draws in that, not least City against Real Madrid. Um, and there's going to be some big teams go out early. But in the group stages, it's it's more a feat of marketing than it's a feat of football because you can usually look at the groups and pick which two teams are going through. And then we're led to believe that it's important who finishes top so they get the plum draws um, in the last 16. But it doesn't actually work out like that. Again, as evidenced this year, um, City finished mm-hmm. top of their group and will still play Real Madrid, like it's, um, which is great. You know, I'm, I'm, I, to counter my own argument, actually, this year, it is exciting at an earlier stage than I think it normally gets exciting. Um, but I, I just, I do, I, I see more as a, a feat of great marketing than a feat of great football for the vast majority of the tournament. That's not to say I hate it and, I, you know, I don't want to come across as um, revisionist or anything like that. So hopefully regular listeners will recall that I've had these sort of conversations before um, and not just now that City have been banned. Um, but yeah, that's... That's the sort of general city view on it, and then my personal take. Yeah, then the hard question to ask is, with this allegation hanging over you, again, still an allegation because there will be an appeal um, that uh, will apparently be held by Cass uh, before next season, which hopefully will mean there won't be any uh, limbo or anything like that heading into the start of next year's Champions League campaign. But with this kind of allegation of financial doping looming, over the club at the moment. Do you think this taints City's recent run of massive success? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, <laughs> you can probably guess my answer. Um, people, you know, the listeners can take or leave uh, how much bias they think I'm, uh, I'm going to put into this. Uh, I, I personally don't think it does. Um, clearly, 
as it stands at the moment, we, we have to sort of assume that City are, are guilty of what they're accused of because that is the finding so far um, and they've been punished accordingly. Hope, you know, obviously I hope that they will clear their name, but whatever, we'll see what comes of that. But the rules that City have played by aren't really any different to... Or they haven't earned their success in wildly different ways to anybody before them. Um that might sound an odd moral argument. I'm not saying that it's okay to break the rules because, you know, the laws now are different to what they were before um, before City got their money. But clubs before City have been able to spend extortionate amounts of money to aid and increase their chances of success. And that is what City have done. City have been, it seems, quite creative about how they've done that, about how they've put that money into the club. Um, but... Morally, I, I just don't have I don't have huge um, huge concerns about it. Um, you know, Chelsea were able to do it, and they could be more transparent with their uh, with their accounting. I think because these laws weren't in place um, at the time. Obviously, Manchester United, they, okay, they built their club in a in a certain way, but then were able to spend vast vast amounts of money and bring in all sorts of um, all sorts of sponsors, which was great. They um, they used that situation and marketed their name brilliantly. Um, Liverpool spend a lot of money. We can have the net spend argument, but the, ultimately they still put a team on the pitch that is of a certain value. And when it comes to just pure on-the-pitch success and what City are able to do, um, yes, they spend a lot of money on players. Yes, they spend a lot of money on putting um, a an incredible backroom team together to support Pep Guardiola, who himself cost a lot of money to recruit a manager who is um, has been the top manager in the world. He's probably not quite that at the moment, as this season's league table would evidence, but he's, he's still very much an elite coach. Um, ultimately, City's on-the-pitch success has been enjoyable for me as a City fan because you can see that it's the result of a lot of a lot of hard work. The players who go onto the pitch, regardless of what's gone on in the background, um, in the you know you use the term financial doping. Regardless of that, it's still an incredible amount of hard work that goes in from the manager, his staff, and um, and the playing staff that has led City to be the team that they are. I'm not saying that it's okay to break the laws or to be creative in how you recruit them, but ultimately, as a fan. Um, what I go and watch every week and what I concern myself with is how how good are this team and how hard are they trying um, I'd like that to be within the laws and but at the moment there's no um, you know we can't say that well, it's going to sound odd I can't say that City have broken the law to win the Premier League because there's no finding of wrongdoing in the Premier League. I can't say that they broke any laws in uh, in winning the FA Cups or League Cups that they've won. I see a club that have spent their vast, vast resources very, very well to get to this level. And is it fair? No, not particularly. It could have been any other club that it happened to, but it wasn't. It was us. We got ridiculously lucky. Um, but the, the quality of the football on display has come through the hard work of um, of the players who have to go out there and and do that week in week out, and none of that um, none of that is tainted for me. Now, if you ask me that, if um, you know, if it comes out that for the last decade City have been breaking all sorts of Premier League laws, knowingly that every other club was abiding to, then 
yeah, I might reflect on that differently. But at the moment, that um, that isn't the case. I don't think there's really a suggestion that it's going to be. So no, the the success for me stands. Um, I've not lost anything. I will still be able to watch back over those successes in years to come with the same satisfaction that I always have done. Gotcha. Yeah, and I do think you've made a good point that there has been no punishment in England. Um, and I've seen a lot of people couch that with as of yet or probably facing a points deduction. Or <laughs> You mentioned in the pre-show you've even seen expected for there to be a points deduction. Um, as far as I know, um, which is, I suppose, couching it in my own way, I don't know if there are any technical financial rules or violations within the FA or the Premier League. I think the point of UEFA being the ones that installed it were that they'd be able to do so across the whole continent of the footballing federations so that individual leagues wouldn't have to have rules about this. Um, so as you say, yeah, none of the domestic trophies are really under question. Um, whether or not I'm wrong or we see something in future that, that does do that, as you say, then that kind of opens up a new discussion. But uh, as far as I'm aware, there aren't any recourses there for the Premier League outside of potentially just saying that this has harmed the image of the league by one of their clubs being accused of this. But time will tell in that regard. But those that are like, the Premier League's about to, you know, give Manchester City a 10-point deduction this season, which is a season in which it really wouldn't matter, especially if you finished in the top four and didn't get a Champions League place anyway. Um, But I digress. Um, As I mentioned in the intro, we had had a conversation about about Pep Guardiola's legacy at Manchester City and whether or not it would actually be harmed uh, without a Champions League title. Of course, these being the words from his own mouth. Um, So curious to get your take consecutively. Do you think that that's the case? And secondly, um, do you think that this ruling, if it stood, would see him leave sooner than when his contract is up at the end of next season? Um, I think on his legacy, I think when Guardiola says things about, um, you know, he'd he'd be a failure if he didn't win the Champions League or his legacy wouldn't stand up to scrutiny if he didn't win the Champions League. I think... He's more, the way I've always read that is that he's more referencing what he sees as comments, or what the comments that do come from um, from outside. I think he's always been very aware of what people say about him. I think he's very aware of outside perceptions of the club. Um, and he's also always been hyper aware of the um, the criticisms that, or the comments that he never would have won the Champions League at Barcelona without Messi. Um, and so he's... He sort of, when he gets asked those questions, he just holds his hands up and says, well, yeah, that's true. And I don't know whether it's actually a way of just not engaging with the debate or framing it so that um, if he does win the Champions League with City, that he can build it up as perhaps more of a success than it would otherwise be seen because he's he's fronting up and selling the failure aspects of it first. Um, I don't think it's that he would see himself as a failure for not winning it because... I think most City fans would see that Pep has already done what he was brought in to do. He's um, he's developed the playing style of the team so that we have something to to now build on in future. Like the next manager who comes in will probably be in Guardiola's mould, will probably have a very similar idea of how to play football. Um, And the youth teams all sort of go by that philosophy as well. Um, that's always been Pep's remit at City. Obviously, they want to win the Champions League. The club want that prestige. They know that it's a um, 
the sort of shortcut to being seen as an elite club or I suppose the, the cherry on the, or the the final piece of the jigsaw, I guess, that confirms you as an elite club. So that's I'm not downplaying its importance in um, in the legacy that he will leave. But I do think that really the job that he was brought in to do has already largely been done. Um, in, so I, I, I don't think that his legacy... Not in the opinion of anybody at City, I don't think his legacy will, will be um, will be harmed if he doesn't win the Champions League. Um, maybe people outside the club will see it differently um, because people outside the club have a, a different view of how City see the Champions League. You know, you hear um, other radio pundits or commentators and they talk about how it's the one that City are desperate to win. And um, quite often I find that those views don't reflect the conversations that I have with City fans or that I hear or see on social media, but um, you know, there's not a lot we can do about that. Um, could it hasten his departure? Yes, I mean, of course it could. Um, nobody ever really knows what Pep is thinking. He's always been very adamant that he will see out his contract. Um, one of the things that we often hear when people talk about whether he'll go this summer or not is, well, he'll do four years and that's always, this'll be the end of his fourth season. And that's always been his maximum. Um, but actually, what he's always done is seen out a contract. At Barcelona, he signed rolling one-year contracts because he knew that eventually he would burn out and didn't want to be committed beyond that. And then at Bayern Munich, he signed a three-year contract and stuck to it. At City, he signed a three-year contract and then extended it. So if he were to leave this summer, it wouldn't be, to me, fitting a pattern of only doing three or four years. It would be breaking a pattern of seeing out his contract. Um, he's always been adamant that he will do that, that he will be here next year, that he's excited by the challenge of, um, of chasing down Liverpool. He said that he knows what's gone wrong this season and he's excited to correct that. Um, one imagines that his way of correcting that will be by spending a lot of money again, <laughs> um, which will aid him, hopefully. Um, but this will definitely be... It's hard to imagine that um, a manager who built his reputation by winning the Champions League twice um, in his first job, winning it in his first year as a coach um, and who is still judged against the Champions League and who is still an elite level manager so will want to be in the Champions League. I, I do wonder whether he will, you know, if, if another club were to come knocking, he's regularly linked with Juventus, if another club like that were to come knocking who will have Champions League football, whether he could be tempted by by that and see it as um, yeah, as a worthwhile reason to jump ship. He will want to manage in the Champions League, so yeah, it's it's a slight concern, but nobody ever really knows what what Pep is thinking. He does seem mostly very happy at City, so I don't think he'll suddenly be desperate to leave. But I'd be lying if I said I was confident that he won't in any way consider his options. Yeah, speaking of considering their options, you obviously have a lot of players at your club that are, you know, on high wages of high value, of high prestige. Um, do you think there are any players that are in particular more likely to go than stay if you end up not being able to be in the Champions League for a couple of years? Well, I mean, again, it's, I'd love to be able to say no. Um, but you look at somebody like Kevin De Bruyne, he's clearly very happy at City and in in Manchester in general. But 
he is also one of the best players in the world somewhere around what should be the peak of his career because he's 28. And at that point, is, is he really going to want to be thinking, well, I'm going to be 30 before I play in the Champions League again, at a point at which players are typically seen as moving past their peak. Is that, that's not going to be his ideal scenario, is it? So obviously there's a lot more goes into whether players will leave than just whether they want to, because you know a club obviously has to um, agree to sell a player. And we're talking about players that would cost a lot of money. Raheem Sterling, another one who is a, you know, excluding the last couple of months where he's been off form, but overall he's progressing. He's moving himself to, or has moved himself to a point where he's one of the most recognisable, most visible, um, most elite players in the world. Is he going to want to set that back a couple of years when uh, there's always been rumours that Real Madrid would quite happily take him on? Um I don't know. I mean, players like that, De Bruyne, Sterling, arguably um, Emirat Laporte as one of the, I'd say, one of the best centre-backs in the world. Uh, Leroy Sané is already widely believed to fancy the move to Bayern Munich anyway and will probably happen in the summer. This isn't going to do anything to convince him to, to stay. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of players that are potentially at risk, but at the same time, City aren't going to sell an entire squad with a world-class talent because financially they don't need to. Um, so it's a very difficult question to answer, um, which I guess makes it a good question. But yeah, there's some good talent there that I would imagine will will wonder whether moves to other elite clubs might be worthwhile, so they can carry on playing Champions League football. But I I, I sort of trust the club to handle this well enough that most players will actually um, will stick will stick with us. Mm. All right, well then, going from that kind of micro view to the macro view, uh, you mentioned earlier on that you are not the first club to kind of be accused of this. Uh, also, that the, the trend of, um, in particular, oil money, whether it be Russian or um, from the Middle East, is what led to financial fair play being instituted. Do you think that this will be the start of UEFA looking more closely at some of those other clubs that, at least from the public view, are viewed to have uh, been financially doping as well? Uh, that's a good question. Um, no, because the way this came about was, it was probably a little bit embarrassing for UEFA in that, you know, they'd already done their investigations into City once and City had already faced a punishment uh, a few years ago for breaching financial fair play when we got a fine and, um, restricted squad numbers for the Champions League. So I actually think it it wasn't massively in uh, in UEFA's favour to have a German newspaper hack some emails and, and leak all this information about City. I don't think it was UEFA's intention to go to go looking for this. Um, and so I'd imagine that would remain the same that if if they were to go investigating other clubs they could end up with more egg on the face as to how did they miss this in their own preliminary investigations and their own auditing processes anyway. Why is it taken um, why is it taken hacked emails for them to spot that? Now obviously the, the realistic answer to that is because the clubs are very good at their accounting and how they make these things appear. Um, but I still don't think it's a great look for UEFA to have 
already instigated one punishment and then be found that they actually missed a whole load of stuff anyway. So no, I don't expect them to be prodding around other clubs as a result of this, but um, maybe they'll be a little bit more careful or with their auditing. And maybe if they see things that look a bit suspicious on other clubs' accounts, they might feel inclined to to scrutinise it um, more closely. But I don't expect them to go backtracking over anything that's been done previously. Um, and also, City, uh, I'm sure, will... They've already said, obviously, they'll lodge the appeal with Cass. Um, it's widely expected that City would be willing to take this through the courts to the point of actually trying to decimate financial fair play and prove that it was never fair anyway. Um, I'm sure UEFA wouldn't want to put any other super-rich clubs uh, onto that and have other clubs really, really pushing um, to have FFP thrown out as a concept. I might be wrong. They might be very confident in it, um, in its standing, regardless of how many top lawyers go against them and, and how far a club pushes it and how much resources those clubs can throw at any legal case. Um, but I don't think it's in UEFA's interest to, to push much harder on that one at the moment. Yeah, they claim to have been doing very well and that the average kind of running budget of clubs is now in the positive, whereas when financial fair play was instituted, it started off in the negative. Um, because it, it should be worth noting that financial fair play, in theory, wasn't meant to only punish the big clubs. It was meant to make everybody spend more responsibly. But obviously, we keep coming back to these big, high-profile cases um, mm. because they're, they're the ones that are the most obvious. But you know, there, there have been clubs in Italy with far less money that have had far, west, far worse ratios of money spent to the air quotes value of the club or the income of the club. Uh, but yeah, we will see where all of this goes. As we say, there's a lot of speculation going on. We don't want to add too much to it um, in terms of the actual ruling or other punishments. Um, but again, obviously Manchester City appealing. They said so in their statement. Again, that hearing should happen before the start of next season. So we should have clarity heading into 2020-21. Uh, but we will leave things there for now. Richard, thanks so much for coming on. I know it's kind of a weird time for being a City fan, but I appreciate you taking the time to spend with us. Uh, if you want to tell folks where they can find you and hear more of your thoughts on not really caring about the Champions League and how a trip down to League Two with lower ticket prices, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, thanks, uh, for everybody, for listening. Um, I am on Twitter personally, um, at Richard the Burns. And I am a member of the Blue Moon podcast, where you can be sure this will be discussed in the next show. Uh, the news came out just a touch too late to fit into our last one. Um, our podcast uh, is uh, it's the Blue Moon podcast. It's released every Friday. It's a dedicated Manchester City show, uh, and they are on Twitter, at Blue Moon Podcast. All right, well, thanks again so much for coming on, Richard. It was a pleasure, and we hope you keep listening. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.